it's Sunday morning and we are studying a myriad, whatever myriad means, uh, various areas of things. And we came out of Christmas and realizing that Christmas was paganism. And we realized that people are angry at us. If people are not angry at you for the truth, you're not telling the truth. You, you, they have to be angry. You have to be hated by the world. The only thing that's going to make them hate you is when you define words and tell them what they've been teaching is not the truth. The Baptists aren't telling the truth this day and time. The Pentecostals are absolutely not telling the truth. The Church of Christ are not telling the truth. When you tell them about predestination, you've got to make sure that you tell them that God does not love everybody, that he only loves a few. He said so. He said, straight is the gate, now is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few there be that find it. You're going to talk about predestination? Don't just say predestinate. Don't even say the word predestinate. Say the word prohorizo. Pro-horizo. The word predestinate is not a Greek word. It sounds like, when you say predestinate, it sounds like you're saying, well, you have a destiny and that's heaven. And that was preordained before the foundation of the world. And it don't matter what you do in between. That's not true. Don't just tell people, well, you got a place you're going to go one day, and that's determined. You can tell people that you have a destiny, and they will think, well, all free will people believe that. It just is up to you what it is. No, it's up to God what it is. And predestination is about what He has preordained for you to do. What to do. During the this time period, now people are angry at me for telling the truth. I tell the truth to people all the time, everywhere I go. But you got to get specific. Tell people what it means. Don't just say, "For whom he did, for no he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son." Give them the Greek words, and God has pre or pro horizoned us. That's what he's done. Pro means before. And horizo means to bound. But it's not just a simple word bound. It is our word. That little mark there, that's a diacritical mark. Diacritical mark. And it has an H sound. It actually is a breathing sound. Horizo. That's what it is. And we would pronounce it H O R I Z O. God has before horizoned you, and horizo is our word horizon. He's predetermined us for the horizon, for the light, for the light. You were darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, light is truth. He that doeth truth 
Truth is not something you just say with your mouth. It means to take the cover off. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You've got to get specific about predestination. Don't just say the word. Tell people what it means. It means to predetermine for the light. The amazing thing. There's a word in the Greek. Prison. Prison is the word phylake. And phylake means the division between light and dark. Wait a minute. That's the horizo, isn't it? That's the horizon. And in that horizon, God's got an elect family that he calls from darkness, that is sin, to the light. Calls us into the light. That's Prohorizo. He is pro is before. It's our prefix pre. It means to before determine for the light when you were in darkness. That's what predestinate means. Philake means the division of light and darkness. And the word forgiveness. Forgiveness is the word A P H E S I S. That's the word forgiveness. This is one of my favorite things to teach on. Ephesus is the word forgiveness. And it means to pardon and release from prison. So predestination means to be for determined for the light to bring us from darkness to light and to bring us out of prison and to pardon us and release us from prison. Well, forgiveness is not free. It costs Jesus his life on the cross. And you have to repent in order to be forgiven. Repent, metanoia. Metanoia means to be turned and to think differently. To think differently, but you can't repent on your own because there is none righteous and there is none that seeketh after God. And in Luke 13 and 3, the Bible says, Except you repent, you will all likewise perish and die in your sin and go to hell. So God, in predestination, He has to predetermine us from darkness to light, 
and we were in darkness in prison and he's got to pardon us and release us from prison only when he causes us to repent because you can't repent on your own there's no way to get into heaven without repentance if your mind don't change about how you live not once you don't just repent once Luke 13 and 3 says, except you repent, metanoia. That word, Luke 13 and 3, except you repent, metanoia, is present tense, subjunctive mood. That means, that means except you repent, and it is a movement of the verb that is over and over and over and over. Why is that? Because every time you get up every day, you have a tendency, and I've had a tendency when I was younger, not so much now I'm old and wore out and ready to go meet the Lord. But you have a tendency every day to turn back to self. Don't you? That's that outer man. You've got an inner man, which is Christ. An outer man, which is self. Outer man. That's self. Until God puts you through a lot of fire and persecution, you will have a tendency every day to turn back to you and you'll keep turning back and God has to keep turning you and the older you get and the longer you live it'll be longer in between you get to where you start turning back to self and God will say get back on that track and you'll get back over here and he'll give you fire and trials until sometimes you start to turn and say whoops I don't know what I'm doing and the longer you live the less you're going to have to be turned because God will beat you up to a point you'll say oh God help me so when you're predestined it's not everybody that was predestined that's not true only a few few are going to come in the narrow gate it's going to be a little flock fear not little flock it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom everyone that is preordained it's a whom for whom he did foreknow, prognosco, not what he foreknew, whom is the word hus, O-U-S, with the diacritical mark, hus. That is a pronoun, it's a relative pronoun. Relative means it's related to another pronoun. Relative. What pronoun it is, is it related to? The previous verse. And we know that all things work together for good. All things for good. Not to everybody. It doesn't say that. It says to them who love God. Those that love God. And they are the called. 
according to his purpose. Purpose is the word prothesis. That comes from pro, meaning before, and tithime. Tithime means to lay out like a track ahead of you. Tithime. Before has been laid out according to his purpose. You have been prognosco, pro, before. Gnosko means to know intimately beforehand. So those that he knew, and it's talking about those that love God, and they are the called, that's the only people he's predestined. This word whom is relating back to those that love God. It's a relative pronoun, those that are the called. By the way, that word called is the word kaleo. Means to call. And ek kaleo, ek, kaleo is the word ekklesia. And that is the word church. So the only thing, the only people that all things work together for are those that are the called out, which is the church called out. We get our word exit from ek, exit. So those are the called out of God. Those are the ones, those are the whom's. Oh yes, by the way, those that love God, that word love is agape. Agape was a relationship that kings had for their subjects. He is our king. We are spiritual Jews of the heart. Second John 6, this is love. This is love. What if I put it this way? This is agape. Or agape equals walking after the commandments of God. If you're one of God's called, you are one of his whom's masculine gender. It does not say for what God foreknew. Did he know what? Yeah, he knew what. He knew everything. He's doing everything. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. He's declared the end of time from the beginning and everything in your life that's not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I'll do all my pleasure. I do everything I want. Our God sits in the heaven. He's done whatsoever is pleased. And like Nebuchadnezzar said, none can stay his hand or say to him, what doest thou? Everything you're going through is the will of God. Now you tell this to people and they'll get mad at you. Give them all these definitions. This is why they get angry. So the people that God foreknew, those are the ones that pro-horizo, predetermined for the light to come out of darkness to light because you're in prison and darkness and forgiveness comes about by God causing you to repent. And when you really want to know what repentance is, you look at that 31st chapter of Jeremiah, verse 18 and 19. Lord, if you turn me, I shall be turned. And after I was turned, I repented. 
and I repented, I was instructed, when you are one of God's people, you will be hungry for his instruction and how he says to live. But you'll say, but that's too hard to live that way. I know that. Boy, I lived wrong for so many years. I'm so ashamed of the way I've lived in the past. I've been as big a sinner as anybody in here. Well, you you couldn't have been that. I sang in over 250 nightclubs in America. You know what's in nightclubs? Tell me what's in them. Sin. That's it. Don't tell me you go down to a nightclub to listen to some group sing. I know what's there. You're talking to an old dog when you talk to me. Right, Dwayne? Huh? There's nothing but sin out there. Now, this and a lot of other things make people angry. I made the statement last week, please forgive me. Paul said, bear with me in my folly and indeed bear with me in the second Corinthians, the 11th chapter. He said, bear with me when I say these things. I'm going to speak foolishly like men speak. I am the only man that I know of in America that is trying to tell all the truth all the time. Notice I said trying. I'm trying to tell all the truth all the time when I open my mouth. I don't compromise for anyone, not for Mary, my wife, not for Eric, my son, not for my grandsons over here. Don't compromise for no one. I will say the truth if it cripples the Pope. And he has to hobble along. In fact, I'll say it hoping he does. Now, the world is angry at me because of the things that I say. When you start telling the truth, believe me, according to John 15, starting in verse 18, if the world hated me, it will hate you. If it persecuted me, it will persecute you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own, but you're not of the world. Therefore, Jesus said to the apostles, the world hates you, and they killed all of them. Well, have you been killed yet? Have you been persecuted for what you say? You will be if you start saying the blunt, specific, defined truth. People have written me, I had one guy write me and said, I don't think the Bible is as negative as you say it is. When you look up the word deny in Webster's Dictionary, deny, it will say to be negative. Now, if you don't believe that, get your Webster's Dictionary, come up here and look it up, to be negative. We're to be negative about this life. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. I had a fellow one time said, well, I denied myself. I didn't buy a couch that I wanted. I said, you didn't deny self. You denied couch. <laughs> you don't deny self by not giving to yourself. What you do, you have to sell out everything that you are in your mind. It has to come to a place where things and stuff don't mean anything to you and somebody beats you out of something. What do you do? Nothing. You let them. You're supposed to live right regardless of what people do. People are angry at me for saying the truth. I brought this verse out last week in John John 15. Let's go back to John 15. John 15. 
John 15, I brought this out, and I want to continue in this study. Why do people hate me? So if, are you being hated? Does somebody give you a hard time for what you say and what you do? I mean, really hate you. They see you and they go, they try to avoid you. I got people all over town that try to avoid me. I got preachers, if they see me coming, they walk the other way. Because I will confront them. I won't be mean to them. I'll say, if you don't start telling the truth, God might send you to hell one day. Because I don't believe you're a believer in Christ if you're not willing to do His Word and His work. Obedience is everything in the Bible. The Bible says Jesus is coming back. There in Second Thessalonians, the first chapter, verse 8. He's coming back with eyes of flame in flaming fire taking vengeance on all those that know not God and that obey not the gospel you have to be obedient to the gospel and that has to do with preaching to people and telling them things look here now look here you know the cause that people hate me telling the defined truth like this predestination up here you tell somebody what it means Forgiveness of sins doesn't come about. And you don't need to be forgiving people for free. You see somebody on the TV and some guy broke into this lady's house and killed her son and her daughter and her dog and burnt the house down. And you see the woman somewhere in a motel. She says, I forgive them. Don't you do that. The Bible says if your brother trespass against you, in the 17th chapter of Luke, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Well, what do I do? Hate him? No. Most people think forgiveness is free. You run around passing out. I used to go out here to the prison and preach. I preached for about three years out there. They told me about a man they had in lockup. His name was Rhino. Gant. That wasn't his name. They called him Rhino because he had the strength of a rhinoceros, a gigantic man. And said he bent a steel bed all to pieces. They even had a little place for him to go out by himself in a fenced-in area. Nobody could go with him. If somebody talked back to him, he'd kill him. Now, you don't go out to Rhino and say, Rhino, I want to forgive you of your sin. He'll grab you by the head and pull your neck out of its socket. That's what he'll do. He has to repent before he's forgiven. Most people think forgiveness is free. It is not free. There has to be repentance. Don't run around and say, I want to forgive my family. I want to forgive everybody. I just want to get along. What you're doing is you're approving of, your, of their sin. Most people think. Here's what they think about forgiveness. They think that if you just forgive somebody, everything's hunky-dory, whatever that means. Okay. They think no forgiveness... They think no forgiveness equals, backwards over here, equals anger or rage. No. The 
the Bible says what we're supposed to do is separate from people. Separate from people. Are you supposed to gossip about them? No. No gossip. Well, Jim. Jim, what I said was the truth. Are you sure? If you say the exact words that somebody else says, repeat it verbatim, but you put an inflection in your voice that is negative, then you have lied about them. I don't care if you said exactly. First of all, you're not supposed to be doing that, are you? I have learned as I get older, you may think, if you're one of those people that gossips about people, whispers about them, usually people think, you do that if I do that, something I won't allow around me. I say they can't help it. That's what they are. That's what they're supposed to be. Leave them alone. Didn't David leave Saul alone when Saul tried to kill him from the 19th chapter of 1 Samuel to the end of the book in the 31st chapter? But David never said one bad thing about Saul who was trying to murder him. We need to look at David as our example. In fact, David defended Saul all the way to his death and even after he was dead when a young man came to David in the first chapter of Second Samuel and said, I killed your enemy. And David said, you didn't have any qualms about killing the anointed of the Lord? He told two young men, follow him and kill him for that. David defended Saul after he's dead. Do you defend your enemy when you know he belongs to God? People hate you for telling and living in the truth. You may think, I do that, but I don't do it about you. I used to years ago, but I don't do that no more. I realize that everybody's at a different growth place. Everybody. Gossip is one of the worst things you can be involved in. The tongue is a deadly evil, James says. It's a fire. It's set on fire from hell. Little whispers are the worst thing you can do. I got some verses on that I want to give you. But first of all, I want to read this here in, in John 15, verse 25. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that is written in their law, speaking of the Pharisees, they hated me, without a cause the reason they hated jesus he told the pharisees look over here in john 8 look at john 8 he's talking to the pharisees and they're wanting to kill jesus they've tried to kill him from the fifth chapter up to the eighth chapter then he says here the pharisees are having a confrontation with jesus and then he says in verse 40, But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. He didn't try to kill me. He did what I said. You do the deeds of your father. You do the deeds of your father. You 
you would if you did if God were your father you would love me for I proceeded forth and came from God neither came I of myself but he sent me why do you not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word why is it the Pharisees couldn't hear him they didn't have ears to hear the hearing ear and the seeing eye of the Lord has made even both of them you are of your father the devil to be a son of someone, you had to be doing the works of your father. And the lust of your fathers, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and so are you. But they were the most religious preachers of the day. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. That's you. For he is a liar in the father of it. People say, you shouldn't be that hard on people. Jesus stood out in public and called the Pharisees sons of the devil. He did that in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. He said, you compass the land to make one proselyte and after he's made you make him twofold more. The child of hell than yourselves. You're children of hell. You bunch of preachers out there that refuse the word of God. Now, I want us to go here and look at some of this in the Old Testament. They hated. David writes about this in Psalm 69 and 4. We started to read this last week and I wandered off. Psalms 69. David prays constantly about his enemies. The enemies that want to destroy him. I've had so many people that wanted to destroy this ministry. You can't destroy it. It's like Gamaliel said before the Pharisees, if this is of God, you cannot stop it. If it's not of God, it will not continue. You can't stop the ministry of truth. God started this. I didn't. It was 30 years ago this year that this ministry started as a Bible class in my home. Now we're on TV in about 400, 450 towns and cities. I didn't even try to build a church. I just promised God I will teach every time we get together. I'll tell the truth. The only time I haven't taught is when I've been too sick to teach. One time, the only person that showed up about 1990 was my daughter-in-law, Karen. I remember the title of the message. I just titled it Cosmos, and I preached to her for an hour or so, just her. She got the whole load of hay. How would you like that? And I didn't back off because it was just her. Now, look here in... In Psalm 69, David is talking about his enemies that want to destroy him. 64, hear my voice. You have something in your Bible if you've got a Thompson chain or something with it's a study Bible. You have the superscription. Super means above. It means the inscription above the text. This superscription says, David prays for deliverance from his enemies. Do you gossip about him? No. Pray, God, you deliver me from them. I've had a lot of people want to destroy this ministry. That's your problem with God, not with me. 
Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. He had so many enemies. He had Saul trying to kill him most of his lifetime. He had his son Absalom try to take the kingdom and try to chase David out of town, and he did that. And then Absalom was killed by his nephew Joab, by David's nephew Joab. David had people give him a hard time. His heart was broken. Of course, David committed adultery and murder, and he said, God, I alone have sinned, and God forgave him. And David was a man after God's own heart. I hope that I am that. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection. That's overthrow. Where are you, Jim? And verse 2 of chapter 64 of Psalms. What did I say? Excuse me, I am I am in the no. Did I sixty nine and four? All right, let's go to sixty nine. But he's saying the same basic thing many times. David prays in affliction. He praises God. Save me, O God. That's the way he started the other psalm. <laughs> For the waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire. You ever feel that way? Where there is no standing. I can't stand up, Lord. My enemies are just trying to destroy me. The way you study the Psalms, you go back to the corresponding chapters of First and Second Samuel, and where David is fighting for his life from his enemies. And Moses wrote some of the Psalms, and you have to go back and study Deuteronomy and Numbers where Moses is writing. We say the psalmist David, but David's not the only one that wrote the Psalms. You can go into McClinic and Strong, look up Psalms, and it'll tell you all the different writers of the Psalms. So he says, Floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. Help me, God. They that hate me without a cause. What Jesus said. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. I have people that hate me. And they think that I'm like they are. And I'm really not. I'm not even angry at them. I'm not angry at anybody that's ever tried to tear this ministry up. I feel sorry for a lot of them, if they are believers. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. They're stronger than me. I've found out the world is stronger than I am. What do you do? You leave them alone and let God deal with them. That's who they're fighting anyway. Yeah. Then I restored that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness. My sins are not hid from thee. God, you know my sin. Why, I had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. You know, you know that I had her husband, Uriah the Hittite, killed in battle. God forgive me, I alone have sinned. A lot of people want to hold your past against you. You can't do that. If they are to be dealt with, don't you try to deal with them. God will deal with people in his time. Vengeance is mine, he says. I'll do the repaying. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed. 
for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake. O God of Israel, this entire psalm, he's crying out to deliverance from his enemies because for thy sake I have borne reproach. I've borne shame. Shame hath covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my own brethren. He was running for his life when Saul was trying to kill him because Saul thinks, Saul thought that David had stolen his throne. You think that I've stolen your glory? Or somebody else has stolen your glory? If God gives glory to somebody, it's his will, not yours. It was God's will that David become king. In that 15th chapter of 1 Samuel, when Samuel did not execute the wrath of God against Amalek, and he let the people off the hook, brought the king back to Israel, when God said, kill everybody, including the king Agag, David brought some sheep back, brought some good camels back. What did I say? Saved. Saved. I'll get it in a minute. Saul, Saul brought some good ones back. And David said, I mean, Saul said, I want a sacrifice for God. And Samuel said, it's better to obey than sacrifice rituals. He said, I want your obedience to God. He said, your day is over. It was God that told Samuel to dethrone Saul. Tell Saul, I'm through with him. Because if you read the 13th, 14th, 15th chapter of 1 Samuel, Saul was rebellious against God. God says, that's it. Had my fill of him. Go down to southern Judah, and there's a house of Jesse. I've chosen me a king among his sons. Go down there, and I'll point him out to you. And he makes seven of his sons to pass before Jesse makes seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. Samuel said, it's none of these. He said, do you have any more kids? He said, there's the youngest. And he keeps the sheep. He said, I'll not leave till you bring him in front of me. When David comes on the scene, he said, that's him. Ruddy-faced, red-faced. Some people say he may have had freckles and red hair. He didn't look like Gregory Peck in the old movie. It was plain and simple. So David becomes king. God appointed him. Don't think somebody has stolen your glory. If somebody's in a position, they're supposed to be there. Some people will complain about me and gripe about how I live and what I've got. Do you know I don't care about material things? I really don't care. Do you know all these colorful shirts I wear up here? This is not colorful, it's black. But I can't, I wear these colorful shirts. I only do that because the guy who started filming us said, you got to put color to show up behind that board. I just kept wearing the same shirts. If you watch any of my messages out of the, when I was in my mid-50s, I wore the same shirts over and over and over. And he went out and bought me some. I said, okay, I'll buy some. So I bought these colorful shirts so they'll show up on the, back, on the board. And I never wear them anywhere else but in the pulpit. That's the only place. Because I've got these t-shirts that says God doesn't love everybody and this kind of thing. Why would I wear these shirts? Why wouldn't I wear that? I don't really care about Fancy clothes. I used to have fancy suits. I had diamond rings. I had uh, those little star rings. And I had all kinds of jewelry. Uh, 
I was real dumb. I used to wear a ring nearly on every finger. Stupid. Do you actually think that you could dress up enough to impress somebody after you get through talking to them about truth? You talk to them about truth, they say, what are all those rings doing on your finger? I found out it don't matter what I'm wearing. They're not going to like what I'm saying after it's over with. Now, let me give you a couple of more of these. Look over here in Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, verse 29. I want to give you some of these things about 23, 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babblings running on and on at the mouth, complaints? Who hath wounds without a cause? Jesus said, I had all these wounds without cause. People are persecuting me with no reason. It's not a good reason to persecute somebody and you don't even know what they're about. Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at wine... They that go to seek mixed wine, that's elixir that'll make you drunk. But that's not just talking about literal drunkenness. That's talking about spiritual drunkenness. Look thou not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. He says, and he's not just talking about literal drunkenness. He's talking about spiritual drunkenness. Look over here. at I'm just showing you some of these verses the Bible's talking about. Look at Psalms 41. Psalms 41. Verse 1. 41, verse 1. When you start telling people the truth... You're not supposed to gossip about them or whisper about them or be busybody in their life. The Bible, do you know that the Bible has much to say about being a busybody? Tending to your, somebody else's business and it's none of yours. Somebody will say something to me and I'll say that's not any of my business. What they do is between them and God, not between me and them. I say, do you know how I say that about some of you here? That's their business, not mine. Boy, if we can learn that, it took me forever to learn that. Where did I say we was going to Psalms 41 and verse 1? 41 and verse 1. This, when you look at the... Uh, the superscription, that's the inscription above it. Blessings of the charitable man. David complains of his enemy's treachery. You know, sometimes my enemies are not those people outside the church. They're the ones here. But I'm not going to blame you. Maybe you just haven't grown enough yet. Maybe God hadn't put you through enough fire yet to make you shut your mouth. 
Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He will bless upon the earth, be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him into the will of his enemies. So just be what God says. You won't be delivered into the will of your enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. That will make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. You need to read First Samuel, starting in chapter 16, where David is anointed by Saul, Samuel to become the king of Israel. And read all the way through his life all the way up through Second Samuel. Read all of his confrontation, his enemies that's trying to kill him. And the worst thing that you can have come against you is not some guy outside your family. It's one of your family members. And this is our family. A family member can destroy you more than anybody else. It was Absalom that tried to take the kingdom from David. It was Absalom that slept with David's wives on a rooftop after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah the Hittite killed. Nathan the prophet came to David and said, David, you're guilty. The sword will never leave your house in that 12th chapter of Second Samuel. He said, the sword is going to be on your house. And immediately, how do you fight your son? Ain't no way to do that, is there? You just sat back and said, oh, God, forgive me. Amnon, David's son. David's son. This is after Bash the Bathsheba incident. Bathsheba. Bath means house of seven. Sheba. After the Bathsheba incident where David had Uriah the Hittite killed, that's her husband. After he commits murder of Uriah, after we're talking about the psalmist David. He's the one that had Uriah killed. Who was it that he had kill him? Joab. This is one character here. And who in the world is Joab? David's nephew. The head of his army. Who made Joab the head of his army? David said, whoever goes in and conquers the city of Jebus will be my commanding general. He's got a nephew named Joab that's meaner than a snake. Joab don't care who gets in his way. He'll kill him. And he is some super fighter. So he he's the head of David's army. And David sends the message after he gets Bathsheba pregnant. He saw her naked on a housetop over there. Sunbathing. He didn't say it's her fault. She shouldn't have been out there where I could see her. Didn't say that. He said, I alone have sinned. Can you own up your own sin like David did? And God forgave him. But Nathan the prophet came in front of him and said, 
there was a certain man that had a bunch of lambs. One man down the road had one little baby lamb. And the visitors came to visit this man that had the many lambs. And he went down here to where this guy had the one lamb, took his lamb, and slaughtered it for the people coming to us out. And Nathan and David said, you tell me who did that and I'll have him killed. Nathan said, thou art the man. David broke down weeping. Said, I alone have sinned. And Nathan said, You got to pay for your sin. You got to pay for that. The sword is never going to leave your household, David. Then you get to, that's in the 12th chapter. Then the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel, the 13th chapter, Amnon, David's son, David's son, sees his sister Tamar. Don't confuse her with some other Tamars. That was like a common name like Sue or or Anne or whatever. Tamar. He looked at his sister Tamar. She was a half-sister. And he lusted after her, called her to his room, and he raped his sister. How in the world can you... Can you get over your son raping your daughter? (sighs) David didn't know what to do. Couldn't do nothing. His son Absalom. David's son Absalom says, he hears the word. We're talking about sons and daughters. When you think God can't get to you, think again. He'll get to you through your kids. Absalom says, I will get my brother Amnon. If it's the last thing I do, he waits two years. And they're having a festival in Israel. And David tells his father, Absalom tells his father, David, I want to take some men to the festivals and I want to take my brother Amnon with me. David says, all right, you, you can do that. So he gets his brother Amnon, they head for the festival. When they're there, Absalom catches Amnon at a quiet moment when Absalom, when Amnon's not a, expecting it, and he kills his brother Amnon. This is David's sons. When you think you're getting by with things, the best way that God can get to you is through your children. And David's heart is broken. So Absalom leaves the country. After some time, Joab, of all people, talks David into bringing him back. And you get over in that 16th chapter of Second Samuel. And Absalom stands out at the gate of the city. And this is Absalom, David's son. 
Stenson Gate of the city and charms the people coming in. He's got this long black hair, handsome guy, and he gets sold on his own self-promotion. Promotes himself with the people, and they start loving Absalom because he's such a good guy, and David's father is the king. Absalom gets, we used to call it in the music business, he gets pumped up by his own press. And he wrote his own press material. I'm wonderful. So he says, I think it's time for my father to leave town. I think I should be king. <laughs> wow. So he gets an army together and chases David out of town. His father. How's that? He's going to kill his father if he gets a chance. This is the reward for sin. But you know what? David never talked against these guys. David loved... David loved Absalom in spite of everything that he was doing. So Absalom chases David out of Jerusalem. Gets his army... And David takes off running from his own son. Remember, his sons are what... All of this is due to David's sin. David has confessed. And Nathan says, it matters not. You've got to pay for this. You know something. I'm paying for my sin. I've got real severe bronchial asthma. For years and years, I stayed under pressure out there in sin in the music world, trying to be somebody. I kept getting sick, getting close to death, and I'm paying for it. You'll pay, you'll pay physically for your sin. Well, Absalom takes off after David. Here's Jerusalem. Absalom's armies come in from the south. David takes off running north. And it goes up here past, here's Galilee up here, Sea of Galilee, and here's the Dead Sea. And David comes up here, just north of the Dead Sea, and crosses the Jordan River, and he goes to a town that's called a city of refuge. Does anybody remember that? I know Mary does. Huh? Does anybody remember the name of the town? It's a place of refuge. Mahanium. Mary said it down here under her breath. Mahanium. He goes up here, and Absalom is on his trail. And he chases David over here to Mahanium. David has got three generals with him. Does anybody remember who they were? Huh? I know Mary does, I'm sure. Does anybody know who the three generals were that he took with him? Commanders. Huh? Joab's one of them. Huh? Who? You can't remember whose name? Joab's brother. Ab. Abishai. These two guys are bad news. Abishai. They were brothers. 
They were brothers. Abishai, the Bible says in the 23rd chapter, he killed 300 men. He was something to mess with. It was Abishai, David's nephew, that was always wanting to kill Saul. They'd trap him in a cave, and Abishai said, I'll kill him. David says, oh, oh these sons of Zeruiah are too hard for me. That was David's sister. I can't get over you guys. Why don't you shut up? But he couldn't control them. He put them in charge. And everywhere David went, Abishai went. They caught Saul in a cave, and David and Abishai said, Uncle David, I'll kill this guy. David said, He is the Lord's anointed. Shut your mouth. David didn't even talk about it when Abishai wanted to kill him. And as they're running, they're chasing their first cousin, Absalom. And Absalom. He takes off over here. Now, as they're going, as they're fleeing, there's a man named Shemai. You talk about paying. David's paying. There's a man named Shemai, and Shemai was in Saul's kingdom, but Saul is dead. Saul died in the last chapter of 1 Samuel, there in that 31st past chapter. Saul's dead. We're over here in the 16th chapter of 2 Samuel. And David and, and Abishai and Joab are running. Oh, there was one other guy with them. Do you remember him? He's a commander. Does anybody remember his name? What was he? Somebody tell me what he was. What was his nationality? Somebody ought to remember. Huh? Ittai. Did you say that? Ittai. What was he? He was a what? What was he? Gittite. What is a Gittite? It's what? Plays guitar. Gittite was a Philistine. Ittite loved David. Remember David had gone over to seek sanctuary among the Philistines when Saul was chasing him and he kind of tricked the Philistines. Uh, the king of the Philistines gave him a town, Ziklag, where he could live in and live away from King Saul while he's trying to kill him. And David... David made friends with some of them, and Atai said, wherever you go, that's where I'll go. If you die, I will die with you, David. Atai loved David. And these three are leading David's armies as he runs over to Mahanim. And when they're over there, these guys are powerful soldiers. Absalom to attack them with their army was kind of foolish. And so David starts to rout these, to rout Absalom. But David's not, David has got these guys in charge. When David comes over in the 16th chapter of 2 Samuel, Shemaiah is hollering at David. Shemaiah is 
You stole my master's kingdom. Saul is the true king. Let me show you that. Over oh, in the 16th chapter of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, the 16th chapter. I love this story. I love it when David corrects his nephews. Oh gosh, what am I going to do with you sons of Zariah? You're too hard for me. 2 Samuel, the 16th chapter. This is where, right before they leave town, read Jerusalem, this is why they did it in verse 6. In this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Then he says, now let's attack my father David. Boy, talk about a low-down guy. But David loved Absalom. And Absalom sent spies throughout the tribes of, of Israel there in verse 10 saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. I'm going to take over. This is called a coup. C-O-U-P. It's the overthrow of the king. Uh, well, I'm fixing to finish up here. Let's go over here to the 16th chapter. You can read that 15th chapter and you can see where Absalom is going to take over. I'm taking over. David has had, David is having problems with his family because of his presumptuous sin. David is the one that said, deliver me from presumptuous sin. Zud is the word presumptuous, Z-U-W-D. It means proud. I just stood in the light and sinned against God without even any conviction whatsoever. When you gossip about people and try to rip them apart, that's what you're doing. So, they're running away in the 16th chapter. And let's look here in verse 5. When King David came to Bahurim, Behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei. And the son of Gera, he came forth and cursed still as he came. And as he was coming towards David, he's throwing stones at him. And he cast stones at David and all the servants of King David, and all the people, and all the mighty men. Remember, he is he's one of the followers of Saul who is dead, and he's accusing David of having stolen Saul's throne. By the way, the man that was leading Saul's armies at this time, do you remember who he was? Saul's leader. Abner. This is amazing. Saul's leader was Abner, a good man of God. Joab was David's leader, a commanding general, and he was a killer. You'd think they could change these things around. Get Abner. It was Joab 
Joab murdered Abner when Abner was trying to bring the kingdom to David. Joab said, he's just trying to get a favor with David. And he walks up to Abner and says, here, Joab, hold this knife. Stabbed him under the fifth rib and killed him. Killed Abner. And David wept over Abner because he was such a good man. Now, look here. And he cast stones at David and all the servants of the King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, David. You are a man of Belial, another word for Satan. He's calling David evil. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. This guy Shammai was something to be dealt with. He was a fool. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. He's going to be the king. This guy's been misinformed, hasn't he? Behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man, David. This guy better look out. It is God that's in charge here. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, David's sister, unto the king David, Uncle David, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and pray thee. I'll take off his head. He, and you know what? He could have done that at the drop of a hat. He was one bad guy. In fact, you can look over here. At, I'll come right back here. In the 23rd chapter of this book, the Bible says there were three great men in Israel. In verse 17, and he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this blood of the men who went in jeopardy for their lives? Therefore he would not drink this water that was brought to him. David poured it out as a drink offering. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, in verse 18, chapter 23, the son of Zeruiah was chief among the three supermen that David had in Israel. He's naming his super powerful man. And Abishai lifted up his spear against 300 and killed them all and had the name among the three. So Abishai is not to be messed with. He's one bad person. And neither is his brother Joab. And these are David's nephews who do nothing but cause him grief. You think you can't get grieved? Your kids can grieve you. Get on drugs. Mess around, go out here and sleep around, get drunk. You say they wouldn't do that. Well, you think not? If you misjudge God. Back to sixteenth chapter. The king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, my sister? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai, to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth out of my bowels, talking about Absalom, which they're pursuing, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite Shammai do it? Let him alone. Let him curse. 
for the Lord hath bidden him to throw stones at me because I deserve it. Look what I did. This judgment has come upon me. And David didn't have anything bad to say about Shammai. But right at David's death in the in second in first Kings, you'll see that David David get, turns the kingdom over to Solomon. And Solomon says, We're gonna settle all debts. We're gonna settle this debt with David had another son. Gosh. David had nothing but a heartache from the time that he committed adultery and murder. His heart was broken the rest of his life. Watch out what you do. God may break your heart the rest of your life. Watch out what you say about someone. He had a son there in 1 Kings, the first chapter. Back to David's sons. Who was that son? Somebody tell me. Solomon? Huh? No, he had a son that tries to take over the kingdom, and he has no right to it. Oh, what is his name? <laughs> Starts with an A. Absolutely. No. No. <laughs> keep guessing. A-D-O-N-I-J-A-H. Adonijah. Adonijah says, I'm the next son in line. I get the kingdom. And he takes 50 men, puts them running in front of a chariot. You see, that's what they did with the king. Adonijah just assumes he gets to be the king. My father David is old. They went out and found a young girl to try to warm his body up. Remember her name? Abishag. Now, she didn't have a pretty name, but she was a knockout. They took her and put her in bed with David, and she couldn't heat him up. He was too old. It was time to die. So David lays in bed, gets ready to die. Adonijah's out there running with his 50 men before him and having the people say, God save Adonijah. Bathsheba hears about this. And she takes Nathan and goes to David and says, You promised that your son, Solomon, would be the king. My son. It was Bathsheba's son. She said, You need to anoint him king. This Adonijah, your other son, is out getting out of hand. So he takes David aside, takes Solomon aside, anoints him king. And then after he anoints him to be king, the people start shouting, God save King Solomon! Adonijah hears it from a distance. He's going, oh God, what am I going to do? David has made Solomon king! So Adonijah, he kind of backs away and goes to Solomon and says, I beg your pardon, sir, please forgive me. And Solomon says, as long as you behave yourself, 
You stay in line or you're going to die. He says, if you do one thing out of line, I'm going to have you killed. Adonijah goes to Solomon and says, can I have Abishag? She is so beautiful. That's one thing you did not do. The preceding concubines and wives went with the king. That meant he was treacherous. Solomon said, that's it. He calls for Benaiah. His commanding general says, follow this man and kill him. And he did. What about Joab and Shammai? If you look over there in 1 Kings, you notice David never had a bad thing to say about his enemies. He just did whatever God wanted. Look in 1 Kings. 1 Kings. Look over here in, in 1 Kings. I can't get further into this. I'm getting way off the track. But in 1 Kings, it's time to it's time for recompense to Joab the murderer. Joab, David's nephew, he killed four men, murdered them. He murdered Uriah the Hittite. He murdered uh Abishai, not Abishai, he murdered Absalom. And at one point, David got to where he said, I can't put up with this Joab anymore. So he went to his sister Abigail. David had a wife named Abigail and he had a sister named Abigail. He had many wives. And he went to Abigail, his sister, and said, I want your son Amasa. I need him to take over my army. So he puts Amasa in charge of the army. And Amasa says, come on men, let's go. But the army trusted Joab. They'd follow him anywhere. He was so bad in battle. Joab comes up to Amasa and says, hello brother, how you doing? How you been getting along? Oh! Gives him a knife under the fifth rib and kills him. And more or less, Joab says... Uncle David, don't you ever do that again. I'll tell you what gets me. Joab is in movies. They'll show him standing over there being this nice guy. Yes, sir, David. He wasn't a nice guy. He's the one, after he killed Absalom, comes back to town. He sees David weeping over Absalom, saying, Absalom, my son, my son. And Joab chews him out for weeping over Absalom. What are you doing crying over him? He tried to overthrow your kingdom. He's my cousin, but you can't let him get by with this. He's your son. Job just ripped David all to pieces. But it's time. Payday. Joab. Not under David. Somebody will get your enemy if they're really your enemy. But you don't have any business of taking any revenge or gossiping about them. David never gossiped about anybody. How much time do I have, Mike? 18. 
Well, I ain't getting through this, am I? Now, look over here. Solomon is king. Solomon gets made king. Much more to this. I don't have time to get to all of it. Look here in verse 28. Chapter 2, 1 Kings. Then tidings came to Joab, for Joab had turned after Adonijah. Joab couldn't be king because he was cousin. Adonijah was the son of David. He was of the lineage of Judah. And the king had to come out of Judah. So he was in the right lineage. He just wasn't God's choice. So Joab turned after Adonijah, though he turned not after Absalom. Joab didn't turn after Absalom. He killed Absalom. And Joab fled into the tabernacle of the Lord and got hold on the horns of the altar. Here's David's old commanding general, his nephew. If you went in and got hold of the horns of the altar, that was sanctuary. You were safe, like home plate, safe. Unless you were a murderer. <laughs> Very convenient. Joab ain't going to get away from this. And Beniah, who is Solomon's commander. You can see Beniah come on the scene in the 23rd chapter of the 23rd chapter of 2 Samuel. You can look at Beniah there in verse, in verse 20 of the 23rd chapter of 2 Samuel. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabziel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab, gigantic men. Benaiah is not one to fool with. And he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit during snow time. You don't talk back to Benaiah, even if you're Joab. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And they went down to him with the staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. Now that's Benaiah. Benaiah is going to come down here and tell Joab, it's time for you to die. You've sided with the wrong man, your own cousin Adonijah, David's son, who assumes to take the throne and it's not his. It's belongs to Solomon. In Benaiah, verse 30 of chapter 2 of Second of 1 Kings, Benaiah came to the tabernacle of the Lord and said unto Joab, Thus saith the king, come forth. And he said, no, I will die here. And Benai said, that will be no problem. So Joab is going to get his for being the murderer that he is. And Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, thus saith Joab. And thus he answered me. And the king said unto him, do what he says to do, kill him. These men did not fool around. God is not fooling around when he tells you to do things. 
This is David's judgment of all that he did, and his life was miserable after he had his affair with Bathsheba, but she became his wife. But the baby that he had by her died in that 12th chapter of Second Samuel. Later on, Solomon becomes king, and Solomon builds the temple of God has the instructions to build the temple starting in the third chapter of this, third and fourth chapter of this book. Let me ask you this. Was it God's plan from the foundation of the world for Solomon to build his temple? Huh? Was it? Yes. Well, yeah. But not without David murdering Uriah the Hittite and having an affair with Bathsheba because Bathsheba became his wife and later on she had Solomon. Now, try to figure that out when it comes to the sovereignty of God. I don't try to figure out why God does what he does. I just believe that he does. Now, it's time for Shammai, the guy throwing stones at David. Time for his comeuppance. Time for his payday someday. Now, look down here in verse 35 of chapter 2, 1 Kings. The king sent and called for Shammai. Solomon is king here. Remember Shammai? He's the guy throwing stones at David in the 16th chapter of that of Second Samuel. Remember him? They're running for their life. And Shammai's screaming at David. The funny thing, he's saying, Absalom's king, you remember that? On the way back, when David, David's commanders, Ittai, Absalom, and Joab, when they started conquering Absalom, the funny thing over there in the 16th chapter, as they're coming back home, as the winning army, as they're coming back, and when they're coming back, there's two things that happen. Joab comes across Absalom. He's hanging in a tree by his hair. The hanging is not what killed him. He's got this long black hair. He goes under a tree, it hangs him, and David has been saying, don't harm my son Absalom. Joab pays as much attention to that as a fly buzzing around his face. Joab sees Absalom hanging there. The Bible says he took a dart, it was a spear, and threw it at him, run it through him. And that's when he goes back home to Jerusalem Choose out David for crying over Absalom. And he's the one that killed Absalom. And this is David's pay for his sin. Another thing happens. Shammai, the guy that's throwing stones at David and cursing him. As David's coming back across, as these men are coming back across the river to go back to Jerusalem, Shammai meets him and says, I knew you'd win. I knew that you guys were better than the other. He's the one that was cursing David. But he knew 
your day's up if you don't behave yourself. But if David doesn't get to pay him back. David's son Solomon pays back Shammai. Let's look at that here. In verse 35, And the king put Benaiah the son of Jehoiada in his room over the host in Joab's place. He's now, this is King Solomon making Benaiah his commander. When you see captain of the host, that means the commanding general. And Zadok the priest did the king put in the room of Abiathar. I got a lot to say about Zadok and Abiathar. Don't have time. That's a whole story in itself. The king sent and called for Shemai and said unto him, Build thee a house in Jerusalem. This is Solomon, not David. Shemai is the one that cursed David and threw stones at him. And God said, Let him throw stones. I deserve it. Has any of your enemies ever thrown stones at you? And you say, I deserve that. I've learned that if you throw stones at me and give me a hard time, I deserve that. If you get any reward, it'll have to come from God. And I mean a negative reward. For it shall be that on the day that goes, that you go out, Solomon sent these instructions to Shammai, this traitor, this treacherous man. The day that you go out of Jerusalem, you pass over the brook Kidron right on the eastern valley of Jerusalem. Thou shalt know for a certain that thou shalt surely die. You got to live in that house, stay there the rest of your life. If you leave, I've got to keep you contained because you are one of Saul's people and you have had a treacherous way with my father. Thy blood shall be upon thine own head. It'll be your fault, Shammai. Now Shammai said unto the king, the saying is good, okay, I'll stay in my house. As my lord the king has said, so will I thy servant do. And Shammai, or Shammai, dwelt in Jerusalem many days, and it came to pass at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shimei ran away unto Achish. Does anybody remember Achish? Achish was the Philistine king that David went and made friends with when he was running for Saul. Son of Maaka, king of Gath. There's that case. Comes on the scene again. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, thy servants be in Gath. And he leaves town, and he's not supposed to leave the city limits. What's going to happen to him if he does? He's going to die. And Shimei rose and saddled his ass. That means they didn't have a western saddle. They threw a blanket on him. And went to Gath, to Achish, to seek his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. And it was told Solomon the king, that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and was come again. The king sent and called for Shimei, the guy who threw stones, and said unto him, Did I not make thee to swear by the Lord, and protested unto thee, saying, 
Know for a certain on the day that thou goest out and walkest abroad anywhere except Jerusalem. Solomon knew he had to keep this man contained. He was lived in rebellion. You walk abroad that thou shalt surely die. And thou saidest to me, the word that I have heard is good. Why then hast thou not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I have charged thee? Judgment is coming on Shimei, even though if God wants your enemy brought down, it may not you be you that bring him down. It, may, it will be him in his time. And the king said, Moreover to Shimei, Thou knowest all the wickedness which thine heart is privy to. I know you're a double-minded man. I know you're devious and underhanded. I told you and you knew better. That thou didst to David my father, you threw stones at him, you called him. It was God that gave him the throne. He didn't steal anything from your master Saul. Therefore the Lord will return thy wickedness upon thine own head. And King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. And the king commanded Benaiah his commander, the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell upon him, and Shimei died. That was David's enemy within his own precincts following him around and the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon he's full-fledged king all of David's enemies are gone <laughs> vengeance is mine God doesn't need your mouth gossiping or whispering I was going to get into that this morning I just didn't have time I've got so many things I want to get into. The reason people hate what we're saying is because we're telling the truth. I tell the truth about predestination. I tell the truth about Christmas, Christ's Mass. That angers people. That upsets them. I tell the truth about baptism. Baptism was not water. I know that Jesus was washed in water. That was a proselyte baptism. If you don't know anything about that, you're going to be lost as a goose. Do I have any time, Mike? Two minutes. Two minutes. We tell the truth about no accept Christ. When you tell people you can't accept Christ when you're dead in sin, you will accept Christ and his doctrines after your birth by his will. We're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You tell people they can't accept Christ. When every church in America is talking about accept Christ as your personal Savior, that'll anger them. You tell, these, tell people they can't be saved by a sinner's prayer. We know that God heareth not sinners. If any man do his will, worship him and do his will... God hears that man, but he doesn't hear a man who's dead in his sin. You can't pray while you're dead. You tell the Baptists that, you tell the Church of Christ that, the Pentecostals that, they're not going to like you. Tell people the truth and they're going to hate you. I tell the truth about, about baptism being an infinitive. I'm going to go through this more thoroughly. 
And infinitive comes from the word infinite. When you see something that's infinite, it has no end. An infinitive was a noun, not a verb. A lot of people don't know the difference between a noun and a verb. A noun is a person, place, or thing. Nashville is a place. A person is Jim. A thing is a desk. That's a noun. An infinitive is a verbal noun. It's a noun with verbal character. That's what baptizo was. Baptizo was a verbal noun. I didn't say that. Mr. Strong says that. Mr. Girdlestone will tell you that. It means in the English language usually an infinitive has two B in front of it. B is means to exist. Baptizo means to cover, to stain or to die. Being an infinitive, it's infinite. The covering and the staining and dying is permanent, just like when you look out in space and you see infinity. At night when you see the stars, you see infinity and it's never-ending. Your baptism is never-ending. You are to be. An infinitive means the condition of something after the actions taken upon it. It's permanent. Your baptism is not water. It's a blood baptism. A blood baptism was a death. It is too... When you see to be, to be baptized, to be stained with a dye permanently. A blood baptism was a martyrdom, and that's what it means. To be means to exist you will exist from now on blood baptized. You can't be unbaptized. I'm going to say that again Wednesday night. I'm out of time. I just want, I said I was going to say that this morning. I'm going ahead. But in, a, in baptism, the movement is only on the part of the fluid and it stains and dies. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. I hope you can get a hold of that. If you're blood baptized, you'll start dying. Somewhere in your life, you'll start telling the truth and people will start getting angry. If they're not angry at you yet, something's wrong with your life. You're either a baby believer or you're not believing. Somewhere, it's awful hard to have this information inside and not let it out your mouth, isn't it? Of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what a man is thinking? Talk to him for five minutes. He'll tell you what he's thinking. If he's thinking money, it'll come out of his mouth. If he thinks it's a success, it'll come out of his mouth. If he's thinking Jesus, of the abundance of heart, the mouth will speak. If, they're, if you're gossiping or talking about someone, which I'm going to go into this next week, you're thinking about yourself. What do you do when somebody starts talking about someone? I say, I'm not interested in that. You need to learn that. 
that's a hard place to come to because isn't it easy to talk about I don't like the way they look, the way they chew their food, I don't like the way they dress, where they live, what they drive, or their attitude. Well, what about your attitude? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Lord, I pray for the church that you'll mature the flock. Teach them to die daily when it comes to gossip. Giving people a hard time like everybody gave David a hard time and he never defended himself. He said, Lord, you defend me. You plead my cause. Thank you for everything you do. Give us strength. And we'll give you praise for everything. Let us your elect. Fight our battles in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, Dwayne. Like the song says, I'll meet you in the middle. Huh? Like the song says, I'll meet you in the middle. Yeah, okay. I'll let you do that. I don't care if your mic's on or not. Huh? Verse. It's something about a man was worried about making a tent or something. And eventually ended up some of his product of what he was making. What is doing what now? That it ended up in bad places, like uh, the Roman soldiers made canvas or something. What now? I don't know what you're talking about. What do you give, give that to me again? In other words, somebody, I'm relating to my music, is what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you make something and it can go here, in a place, or it can go in a bad place, but this is the talent you have. Is there anything in the Bible that describes that? You're talking about the talents that the men gave in the 25th chapter of Matthew. Yeah. One gives 10 talents and he goes in and invests it and turns it into more. One has the two talents and one has the one talent. That's, But that's not talking about talent of playing an instrument. That's talking about a weight of gold. A talent was a weight. Not, What's the scripture? It's in the 25th chapter of Matthew. A talent was a measurement of gold. It wasn't, it wasn't the talent that we call talents. It was, it was a, it was money. It was bucks. Hey, what are you doing there, guy? It was money. I love you too. Thank you. I love you. We'll be here more. We'll okay. More. Okay. And um, hey, my, you're getting away from your microphone. Let me. Uh, yeah, I need to. Like you, like you. I'm only five years behind. My body is behaving better. Yeah, I'm doing better too. You stealing my trash? Oh, hey, I got something for you.
Wait a minute, I got something else for you. I'm gonna go ahead and give you this. They don't want it. What are you doing? You looking for gum? Okay, just a minute. This is your two hundred dollars. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and give it to you. I had it. Okay, I appreciate it. Yeah, there it is. Now I, I'll pick up the checks this week. I'll pick up my checks tomorrow. Okay. I don't okay. know if see you tomorrow, but I'll be over at the oh, house. I love you, man. I love you. Y'all hold on a minute and I'll get you something. Hey, Tim. Here you go. It's the gun. Thank you. Thank y'all. What you got in your mouth? Oh, okay. Where's your sisters? Do they want some gum too? Take them one. Huh? Okay, let me get him one. Wait a minute. Let me open this up. Let me open it. Okay. What are you doing there? <laughs> I heard you were sick. Yeah. Nice, was. Are you feeling better? Yeah. Good. Well, I was having a little difficult time of uh, sneezing. Are you? Sneezing. I sneezing a lot. Well, that's usually some sinus thing or allergy. Yeah. Here you go. Need one more? Okay. One more. You want some gum? All right. Hold on. Gum time. Here's juicy fruit. Juicy fruit. You want some juicy fruit? Uh, yes. Okay. You want some juicy fruit? 